Okay, here's something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, I currently do not know how the hell what this has anything to do with uh, the podcast I wanted to share with you today. But it's been on my mind. As the years go on, for me, the greatest gift life has, life has presented uh, to me is the not only just knowing about my own self and my own personality more, who I am, but also understanding like my, what drives me, like what are my, what are my artistic cravings that I want to put out into the universe? Like what, what is it about my personality that functions best as I'm creating things and putting out into the world? Because when I'm really in tune with that kind of flow, that is when the, like the second guessing myself, well, that's when all that stuff starts to not, this starts to like loosen its grip on the steering wheel of my decision-making in life, if that makes any sense. So, (laughs) okay, cheesy podcast, tired. I'm constantly, this is, maybe this is how it totally works with this episode is I am constantly looking for people, um, to surround myself who are, uh, I, I am, I'm I'm constantly looking, maybe that's not the right way it says. I am so freaking, um, enamored by, and attracted to the minds of other humans who fully embrace themselves in its entirety that almost don't believe in things like guilty pleasures because it's all there's nothing to feel guilty about within any of it they their love like the embracing of the entirety of who they are and what's interesting is i find that those people who are the most gracious with themselves and understanding and patient are oftentimes the most understanding and give the most amount of space to other people as they are in on their journey, figuring out themselves and hopefully moving towards unabashedly embracing all of themselves. So I say all this because one of those people in my life is my very close friend, Nate Babs. Uh, Nate is, he's made a a ton of appearances on this podcast to just like short uh, daily Guinness episodes where we've been on tour together. Uh, But he was also on episode number 10, I believe, of this back in 2017. He was one of the first friends I felt comfortable with sitting down as I'm trying to figure out what this podcast is going to be and what it's going to look like. So Nate and I sat down over breakfast at a Cuban cafe called Victor's here in South Minneapolis. And I was thinking about that episode. And I was thinking about life because the very top of my year, I find myself, uh, always going back on photographs specific, like things I've made over the past year and kind of organizing them moving forward. I clean up and kind of uh, archive things in a certain way, specifically like photographs. And it's so easy. I was thinking today about how it's so easy when I take a million digital photos, uh, they just seem to just pack up in one massive file. But when I take film photographs, those naturally have a self-archiving progress as I go. So it's almost easier to go back through and organize and find things within the uh, scans and negatives of my film photographs. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, man, this podcast is kind of it's it's kind of like those digital photographs in a way where I just it just piles up and uh I the up this podcast and some of these conversations that I had like three four five years ago I don't want just them to become digital dust in the background I want to find uh some of these that I want to reshare with you even though it's a little cringy for me because uh looking back on my 10th time doing this <laughs> like I'm, it's hard to listen to sometimes but uh this weekend uh, New Year's Eve uh, my wife Sarah and I got together with Nate and his wife Sarah at their home in South Minneapolis, and we <laughs> had the most magical—I mean, literally and figuratively—we uh, had the most magical New Year's Eve uh, together, just the four of us. Where I've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, and Nate has played this for years. He's had a bunch of campaigns with a bunch of different people, 
over the years. And he's, he's always been talking about, you got to jump in on one. You got to, you, you got to join me. He's always invited me. It's never worked out to it. So we did a mini campaign, just the four of us. And it was some of the most fun I've had in a long time. We got together early and up staying late. Like six hours of doing this has never, six hours has, has never flown by faster in my life. So I get home, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about this conversation, I'm thinking about embracing yourself. I realize that this whole thing about embracing the things that you love in life, uh, no matter how versatile or varied they might be, wide-ranging, uh, this is literally what my conversation with Nate, what that was about, about four or five years ago. So... I want to share that with you. Four or five years ago. No, it's 2017, 18, 19, 20. I mean, that's like six years ago, maybe like six and a half years ago. Holy crap. Uh, okay, so this is my conversation with Nate Babs inside. Holy crap. By the way, that <laughs> was such a freaking rant, but I did it. I tied it together. That's just what's on my mind today. That was a fun plane that we landed uh, and now into, I actually haven't listened to this, um, since I posted it. So as you are listening to this conversation, know that I am here, I'm just going to post it and I'm going to listen back to it and just pray to God that I'm not cringing throughout the entire conversation, but it's a conversation with my buddy, Nate, it's going to rule. So all that to say, this is my conversation six and a half years ago one of the first on this podcast with my buddy, Nate Babs. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. What are you I remember that She's conversation existing. Yes. Um, what's the deal? Are you guys doing a uh, Bloody Mary? We have a Saki Bloody Mary. Mm. Oh, man. Because we don't have beer, or we don't have liquor, so we have a beer and wine license. Oh, okay. Yes. So we do a Saki Bloody Mary, we also have tropical mimosas, which are oh, delicious. Oh, that sounds magical. Could I do a Sake Bloody Mary? Absolutely. Make that, too. Sounds good. Do you guys want to do any food yet, or should we wait? Sure. I can yeah. put that in, yeah. yeah. What are we doing? Could I do the Cuban hash? How would you like your eggs? Uh, oh, over medium. Okay, and then you get choice of toast. English muffin, corn tortillas, multigrain, or upgrade the Cuban toast. I have to do the Cuban toast. Of course. Do you Does want to that... add white rice? Uh, no thanks. Okay, I'll bring you some guava jam to try with the toast. That, I need that in my life. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> we How all do. Uh, I'm going to do the ranchera cubano. How would you like your eggs? Uh, over medium as well. And do you want to add white rice? No, thank you. I actually, I would like to add. Wait, does that come with avocado already or not? It does not. That, let's add. Do you want some, a half uh, or a whole avocado? Half to that. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks, cool. guys. We'll be right thank you. Time. Thank you. Okay, so tell me, uh, how did you get into Dungeon? Like, get... what was your first experience? Sure. Well, well, awareness of Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I've been aware of the game way longer than I've been actually been playing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've I've been in I've been interested in games like that my whole life. As to why, I couldn't tell you, but I remember... So The Hobbit was one of the first books that I remember reading. Okay. It's like one of the first like non-children's books, like sort of quote-unquote children's books that I can remember reading. Yes. My sister got, uh, got me a copy, this big sort of illustrated copy when I was a kid. Um, it's huge. It was... It was like a coffee table book, yeah. But it was, I, I would Pictures, love, I would love to find it now and see if it's abridged or not, even because hmm. I don't remember how, because it's a it's a short book, yeah. It's not a long story, yeah. Especially compared but to long Lord of the Rings. for a, long for a children's book nowadays. Long, long for a kids book, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, but it was this huge, big illustrated version. And it yeah. was gorgeous. 
And I remember being really intrigued by just all the weirdness in it. You know, just yes. the fact that nothing in there looked real. Yes. And that was like, as a kid, I just happened to have a very large active imagination. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like the Howard Shore illustrations. Well, Howard Shore was the guy who did the music. Howard Shore did you the music. You mean Alan Lee? Alan Lee, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't uh, think it was. Based based on what I my memory... And this, this this felt like a special edition sort okay. of like crazy weird one-off thing where okay, they had yeah. some. It, it didn't like. I know what Alan Lee's art looks like, yeah. and, and this, it wasn't. I don't wasn't think it. what I remember is not that. I just remember being really like intrigued by the how it looked. So from it was the visual that locked. It you was in the, the visual the fir- that locked me in first. Okay. Yeah, because you know when you're when you're like eight years old. And you're reading a story like that. At first, at first, I didn't really understand what you know. Like when when you, I don't. It's hard to explain. I, I don't know if I even understood how different things were supposed to look, based on the descriptions. You know, like I didn't realize how different a hobbit was from a human, or how. Interesting. So you're. So then, when I saw the visuals, I was like, "Oh, that's what they were talking about." I thought they just meant a kind of short guy. You know, yeah, and then it's like, oh, look at them. Yeah, it's so exotic and weird looking. You know, man, that's a really interesting point on in imagination. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, it's almost pre-development of imagination sure. where you don't even know. Um, you haven't pushed the boundaries. I don't have a, I didn't have a, I didn't have a frame of reference for yep. anything. Yeah, and so that that illustrated version of the Hobbit was like one of the first things that put it in my head. What sort of oh, the man. big picture of fantasy looks yes. like. And almost give you permission. Give me permission. Mentally. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, yeah. Yeah. I just I had no I, I didn't know that you could go that far. You know? Yes. You know? And like when they talk about the dragon, you know? Yeah. Like what the what does that mean? You know, what is a dragon supposed to look like when you're when you're six or seven years old, you know, yeah. if you've never even thought of one? I didn't read any like the, again. The Hobbit was the first thing like that yep. I'd ever heard of. So it was just you know kids' book, Berenstain Bears, and yes. you know, all those other kids' books. Uh, okay, so you have this book given yeah, to you yeah. that gives you all of a sudden gives you permission to imagine and uh, I don't mentally create. Uh, it, it just laid the groundwork for the imagination I would then have. Okay, later, um, and so from that point on. I just found myself drawn to anything that had a whisper of something mm. like that. Suddenly, suddenly, something that didn't have any yes. of that was super boring to me. There's this whole other world that exists out there, or, yes. or just an infinite amount of worlds that yep. exist. And so it's like, yeah, the world of like, the world that just is not this. That right. in your mind that you get to create this yeah. other world. And that was that whatever was, it is. That was yeah. that was a. That was the big bang of yes. my imagination. Oh yes, oh, thank look you. At those. Thank you. Hey, Clinkies. Oh, cheers. That was slight clinky. <laughs> Knuckles. <laughs> it's plastic, so I don't yeah. know if they clink very well. Oh, my. That's, mm. that's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. That is so good. <laughs> that's, that's real. That's Bloody cool. Mary. Yeah, come on. Which is a thing I say now because of you. What? Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing it until, like... Like six months ago. Oh man, <laughs> that's hilarious! I totally I, have I stolen that, that from so, you. I hope I that's love okay. That so much, yeah, man. <laughs> Go, it's yours. The, the the sake bloody mary. I think that's a Minneapolis thing where we don't have. We have a lot of places that don't have a liquor license, so you just have beer, wine. That's so, a way around it. So yeah. you can do. You can make bloody marys if you yeah. just not. That is awesome. I keep forgetting that sake is officially legally classified as wine, right? Yes, rice wine. Rice wine, yeah. Which is also interesting because. Here's Minneapolis, and well, now that I'm thinking, I've had sake Bloody Marys to me seem like a very Minneapolis thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's that's just kind of funny that. Yeah. Side note, I, I'm, go get a sake Bloody Mary somewhere. Yeah, I'm gonna keep my eyes out now. Mm-hmm. Anytime I'm in another city, I'm gonna see if I can find this one. This is cool too. Like if maybe you don't want a hard liquor. Oh yeah. <laughs> in the morning, at, at like a sake a <laughs> Yeah. This is great. Uh, Put down like five or six of these. No problem. Yeah. No problem. Get your day started. <laughs> okay. Okay, I I like where this is going. Uh, Lord of the Rings is kind of your first intro into that where the Hobbit. Well, the Hobbit was, yeah. And so see, that, you're so deep into n- the nerddom that well, not Lord of the Rings. 
The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. The def- differential between oh, the two. Oh, absolutely. And I There's respect that. And I apologize <laughs> for my mistake. <laughs> no, I mean, on, so on, so The Hobbit happened first. Mm. And then the next, the next like, gateway, because, like, yeah. if most, you know, most nine or ten-year-olds, you yeah. give them Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is a tough read. It is dry as a It's a tough read for a, a lot of adults. A lot of adults. Oh, it is dry as a bone. Like, it's, it's dry, and it also has so many, like, so much descriptors de- and details. Description and, yeah. and landscape and, yes. and history and, like, all the... It's like a textbook, almost, as much as it is a story about anything. Which is um, interesting, because your thought earlier of uh, The Hobbit being something that you had to see the visuals for mm-hmm. to kind of give your mind permission to see that. Mm-hmm. I feel like that when I read The Lord of the Rings, you almost didn't need the visuals because it gave so much descriptors of like the heights and, and what things looked like. You instantly saw it in And that's mind. why The Hobbit is like 200 pages mm. and Lord of the Rings is close to 1,000. Yeah, know? yeah. It's just... Good point. Couldn't, like... I mean, I'm convinced... Well, I guess I don't know for sure, but, I mean, it is a kid's story. Yeah. The Hobbit is an adventure tale. It's super easy to digest. It's super easy to follow. Um, yeah, it doesn't have any of the, like, it has the weight of Tolkien's writing and the, yeah. and the history of the It was the written world. first. Yeah. So the, ho- so the Hobbit, the story, that was my first, like, taste of adventure yes. in, in, yeah. in books. My next obsession and next sort of gateway to get me to the point where I could read Lord of the Rings... I don't, remember, I don't know if you are aware of them. It's called the Redwall series. No. It's a huge series. I mean, there's probably, now there's probably 20 books in okay. it. Okay. And they're all thick, especially yeah. for what is generally considered a kid's series. Okay. Um, and it's it's a fantasy world. Yeah. Um, but it's all populated with animals. Oh. So the heroes, like the, the good races are your my, your mice. Your oh, rabbits, okay. your so squirrels, like your badgers. Like yes. they can talk. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. They carry weapons and they do. You know, they do the whole thing. Yes. Uh, and and your your quote unquote evils are your rats and your like your, the cliche. Uh, oh yeah, your, your weasels and foxes <laughs> and you know just like all that stuff. Yeah. But it was it's this grand scale. Yeah. Adventure stories with history and lore that carries over. You know, gets you into learning about it not just what not just about the book you're reading but about the greater the world the, yes, that exists yes, yes. Yeah. the world the world building was was there um, and it was and there was and there was big long passages of description about feasts and food okay ask anybody who read the redwall books and the, and one of the things they'll remember is oh man the food there's actually someone actually published a redwall cookbook there's a redwall cookbook <laughs> out there where you can like make all the things that yeah. they eat that they would eat in the book Everything has that. Any world like world building. Oh man, there's world building. Harry Potter cookbooks. You've got Lord of the Rings. Yep, cookbooks. exactly. There's yeah. Game of Game Game of Thrones. Game of cook, Thrones. Cookbooks. Yep. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, no, the world the world building is a big deal for me, and that's kind of where why I like why I like to DM yeah. as uh, in D and D is I really enjoy the world building aspect. Yeah. Because um, I love I appreciate all the thought that goes into it. I appreciate how. You can make something feel familiar and unfamiliar at the same time. Yes. And that's a thing about fantasy that I love. Because fantasy as a genre, as a whole, yes, people call it a standalone genre, but I see it as more, like it encompasses all other genres. Like it's a backdrop for other things. Because when you read a fantasy book, yeah. you're not just reading a fantasy book, you're reading a adventure set in a yes. fantasy world or yeah. it has elements of mystery mm-hmm. or it'll ha- have a romance mm-hmm. a- angle or it'll have a, 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 a historical angle yes or a or a, a war it'll read like a war yeah. novel but it's set in you these can't, you can't just say fantasy and slap that on something right fan- like fantasy just like by itself the, is it high fantasy is it sci-fi oh boy like all, you've got the, all those <laughs> the, you are yeah you're opening a can of worms there yeah, yeah. Uh, the subgenre. I mean it's like it's like metal music okay that there's like everybody's gonna have a different name for their version of it yes okay so that's, like some a, people like, that's a great it's, way to put it's it it's mathy prog yes. deathcore yeah it's like what does that mean and so <laughs> which is funny which that is such a great descriptor descriptor because i am so outside of metal music I, me too so it's perfect too. because i now i can see someone on the outside of maybe fantasy literature mm-hmm. what that would look like oh it's yeah metal to me is metal right even as a musician i like music and yeah. i can't i I haven't dove into the subgenre, but somebody inside metal is like, "No, this is not doomcore." Yes, 
This is this is this is uh, sludge math, prog metal, you know, or whatever. Totally. Uh, I'm sure I'm pissing off a lot of metal people right now, but um, all the metalheads that follow this podcast, (laughs) all of them. Uh, But that's, I mean, I I feel like that you know people that are deep inside fantasy are gonna have have a similar thing. Like, no, this is this is dark realism fantasy, or this is you know whatever. Which is so funny the thought that even something that we create, that something as imagination and world building, where the limit it's limitless, right? Limitless, yeah. We still feel like we have to put labels on it. Mm -hmm. Like even within that, we take ownership. Yeah. And people put people putting their flag in it. Yep. Yep. This is what it is. These and, are the limits. You can't cross these limits because that goes into sci-fi. And then I th- I, that is just for me. It just comes right back down to people are using it to base their own identity on, and so mm. people like to feel like they have a stake in it, and that it's somehow they're a part of it. And if they can define it, then it feels easier to say that's that I'm part of it. Yes. You know, um, if it's too wide open, it can feel feel wishy-washy or yes it doesn't feel like you can really have this ground to to latch on to yeah um, and so yeah i think i think there's an identity part of that yeah um and you know i totally agree yeah because it's i mean that's anything that's the reason you um i, I don't know i think that's the reason anybody connects with fantasy maybe yeah. is because the identity you well, are almost picturing yourself immersed in that yes world. And, and 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 that's where and that's where you get some of the negative Stereotypes, I would say. Okay. Of, Let, yes, because when you when you talk when you talk about your you ask your average person on the street, say, hey, what do you think of fantasy nerds or people who are really into fantasy? Inevitably, the image they're going to conjure up is, uh, did you ever see, did you ever see that South Park episode where they did the uh, the Warhammer or no, uh, mm. sorry, World of Warcraft uh, no. episode. Well, there's the antagonist is a character in that game played at every once in a while. They cut to the guy who's playing on the other end of the <laughs> yes. computer. And it's like he's, you know, some mid 40s, un, unbathed, uh, yes. li- what looks like living in a basement just yes. on his computer and takes it so seriously yes. that it's become his whole life. And that's and that's the, 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 the negative side that I hear people saying, like, yeah. People who are into that, they just they become hermits. They live in their parents' basement. They don't do anything. Yes. They don't actually interact with people. Yeah. They don't know how to be real humans yes. in society. They're just they've they've fallen so deep into it that they can't. The line yes. between reality and fantasy has evaporated. And everybody's like that, and, that, and, and that, assume, that's what yeah. fantasy nerds yes. are, you know. Um, which, uh, which, which by the way, documentaries are not helping at all. But no, they're not. <laughs> but I, I will say. I think the best argument against that is the stuff that pe- people consider the most nerdy thing, which is LARP. LARPing. Okay. Because that's social. Live action role yeah, play is, man, is with people. Have you seen any LARPing oh, documentaries? Oh, yes. That is not helping anybody. No, it's not. Case. It's not. It's not. But the point but is, is that these are people who... It, it's totally social. You're right. It's a it's social not, thing. You're not sitting at home, World of Warcraft on your computer. And those people do exist, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but the point is... Like all those negative stereotypes is that it's escapism as a negative. Yeah. You know? And I'm of a mind that I don't know if I like the word escapism. I mean, there are people who use it as a way to not deal with their own problems. Yeah. But I would say the escapism that's healthy uh, consists of people who use these stories and these experiences to help them process the real life well you know so rather so rather than rather than escape right and it just doesn't have to be like fantasy stuff but in this case it just happens to be yeah yeah and that's what's and and it's just as valid as any other kind of 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 uh assistance in in processing the world around you and and if it helps to see uh you know you you know one of the fantasy cliches is small rural town person gets swept up into some big adventure and they have to deal with it yeah you know what a way to relate if you feel like your life is swirling out of your control. You just look at Frodo Baggins. Yes. And it, like suddenly the weight of the world is put on him and he's yeah. not prepared for it. You know, mm. that that Man. trope is used over and over and over again. You know what is a great, all these things you're saying make me think of? I think of this sake bloody Mary that's okay. sitting in front of us. And that's this. I can't wait. The fact that all this escapism, whatever it is you're referring to in fantasy, I'm nerding out. But that can be taken in, like, alcohol, you know? 
alcohol could be this really great thing that connects you and I right here. Mm-hmm. Like I really love, like we love scotch together. Yep. Because scotch puts us in the moment, and where you are, you are, you can't think about anything else when you're thinking about the scotch in front of you, yep. sharing it with your friend. And so it can be, on one hand, it can be this very connecting, unifying thing and like bonding between friendships, but at the same time, gone too far as ex- in escapism, alcohol can turn into this super totally destructive, destructive, isolating, isolating, yeah. yes. Yeah. And like this thing that totally yep. tears your life apart. Right. And so it's almost the people that have seen that or have leanings towards that in right. their life. It's that kind that, of personality or that yeah. kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like those kind of if you if you already in that leaning of that kind of personality, mm-hmm. fantasy, mm-hmm. Uh, these nerding out things yeah. are going to take you in that direction anyways. Right. Right. It's and almost what you bring to it. Yeah. Make so much of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know everybody everybody has their own their own way to. Uh, I'll say everybody who's interested in this in this genre has has something about it that speaks to them. Mm. Um, you know, for some people, it's it's just the straight up adventure. For some people, it's the morality. You know, there's a lot of you know good good versus evil, you know, things to to ponder when it comes to these. Um, and for me, I my my thing when it comes to like the fantasy stories I like to read are, you know, you have your you have your you know your your classic your classic fantasy character characterization where. The characters are a little one-dimensional, in that they're either good or they're either evil. They're either good or evil, and there's very little gray area. And so the the stuff that I, the the stories I like to read. You love gray area. I love gray you area. Totally, the, the, totally the, love that. I, that. The uh, yeah, those are the stories I like. Where the where like the protagonist isn't necessarily a great person. It turns out, or or just makes a lot of very straight like horrible decisions makes a lot of poor judge or does things that are like ooh that's that's not okay oh awesome yes thank you that's beautiful come on what else do we need coffee uh um, coffee would be awesome yeah i would do a little little top up there yeah other than that this looks amazing yeah, to me so good. thanks thanks a lot There's a lot of crossover. Okay. A lot of people who like sci-fi also like fantasy and vice versa. There's a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Which is why when you go to, this annoys me, but when, you know, now when you go to Ren Fairs, you see people in Star Trek costumes and Doctor Who and, which is like. Which I love that that annoys you. Oh, it does. Endlessly. Get it right, people. (laughs) (laughs) I've had, I've had, I've had a few online arguments with people about this. Just in the forums, 3 a.m. Just come on. Just come on, come here. No, it's like. You know, it's like a lot of the people who who do things like Ren Fairs and things yeah. like that are also people who go to Comic Cons. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. and those are you know those are specific. You know, that's what those are there for. So like, who says, "Hey, a Renaissance festival? Where's my Pikachu costume?" Yes. You know. So it, you know, I question the motives of anybody like, doing. Why am that. I seeing Darth Maul? Right at it's, the Ren Fest right now. Right. It's 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 people who who are they're trying to be funny. Okay. Do you they, think it's an ironic thing? It's I th- I think it's people trying. There's two 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 ways. It's they're yes. either trying to be malicious about it and being like, take that, like I'm messing with your I'm messing with your theme. Okay. Or it's check out how clever I am. Yeah. Yep. And and everybody who I see dressed as Doctor Who thinks they're the first person to think of it because yes. oh all these nerds they love Doctor Who they're gonna love this. Yeah. Get the hell out of here with your and now it's like and and now it's (laughs) like I saw I saw one Star Trek away team like like seven years ago and I was like huh that's kind of clever and then every year after that I've seen every time I go now I see multiple Star Trek away teams every day at the Renfest at the Renfest every day I see I can count on two hands this is so awesome yeah Yeah. so good I can count on two hands how many Doctor Who's I see in a day yeah. Uh, you know, Stargate teams now are showing up. Like, yeah. they're just like, yes, a lot of people who go to Renfest like those things too. But there's a, you know, there's yeah. a time and a place because this is about this is about the fantasy. It's about the immersion. You know, it's yeah. about well, like, if you want if you want to do the if you want to dress like those other things. There are so many opportunities to do that. There's so many comic yeah. cons around the country that like just do that there. Let us have our little thing. <laughs> 
you know? It's the only yeah. place where we can do, where we can feel the, the atmosphere that a rent okay. fest provides. Which is funny. Okay, so then explain this to me. Because uh, I'll go to the, the rent fest. Mm-hmm. Sarah and I go every year. We don't dress up. Uh, but you and Sarah do. We sure do. All my uh, friends do. Now, we, I have a huge group of friends that we all go and dress up together. Now, you have your Renfest costume. I've seen it. Have a maybe, I, maybe I should throw a photo of it on the, uh, on the website. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. No, you do what you want, man. <laughs> uh, if, I, if I didn't want people to see me in it, I wouldn't wear it and go <laughs> out in public. On this, so. on, you wouldn't be a guest on this. I also wouldn't be here to you talking <laughs> yeah, about it. Totally. Okay, so you, uh, you have that. But then now, Sarah, her technical character that she dresses up in is a is it a wood nymph is it a mm-hmm. fairy a woodland creature it kind of changes sometimes okay. she wears her antlers and sometimes she doesn't <laughs> <laughs> okay so at a renaissance festival how does that fit in how is yeah. that like yep. where's the crossover sure. that's like where's yep. the line of it being too far yep Fan- like again anything that would be considered fantasy that mm-hmm. that follows that sort of medieval backdrop okay that tends to work that fits in. It fits in with the aesthetic. It's just you about want to show it's up just as a wizard from Lord of the Rings. Nobody, a see, ranger. See, you're good. Exactly. Okay. Here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal with Renfest is that just like anything else, there are ways to indulge. Yes. If you want to go deeper, and if you want to go deeper into historical reenactment, then there is this thing called the SCA. Which is SCA. SCA. It's the Society for Cultural Anachronism. And these are people who like weave their own cloth and okay. make their own clothing. Does and that follow like Civil War reenactment? Does that it's fall the same, under that? It's um, technically not, okay. but it's the same stuff. It's the okay. same level of like those aren't accurate buttons that they would have worn in the Civil War. If your jacket doesn't have the correct yes. hardware, then like that's we are not going seen to get as, as close to representing it yes. as possible. And the yeah. S and so the SCA they have a is a whole society where across the whole country there's kingdoms. And there's uh, there's royalty that and they okay. have and they get together and they have meetings and they have mm-hmm. little festivals and they have little events where they do you know they'll do combat and jousting and they'll so do this all these is still things. a made up world that exists in reenacting under the surface uh, of, of the real world yeah um, and they have like each king each sort of kingdom has a name yes. you know I don't know couldn't even begin that to continues tell you what on name. so it's still under this world oh, building yes. of like yes, they're yes, continuing yes. Yes. yes and these are, and these are people and these are people who yeah. just live a regular life but then yeah. just on the weekends they take their families and they go to these uh-huh. SCA events and they get yeah. and they wear period accurate clothing with the right thread counts and you know that's not what the Renfest is supposed to be Renfest is think of it like uh, if uh, if the SCA was photorealism in art Renfest is expressionism you just when you squint you get the, uh, yes. the big picture of it it's, a great it's a, the general vibe of the of the yes. of the time and that's why people a lot you know people sort of generally it feels okay to have you know a Gandalf like yes. character okay. there or a or a, a, a Lord of the Rings ranger because yes. it has the, that sort of same aesthetic that ties that, everything that together middle ages yes Thing. Now, that's see, that's always, the vibe that ties it all together. Yeah, okay, which makes sense to me because I've always had this vibe of the Renfest feeling like a fantasy version of the State Fair. So totally. you have people that go to the State Fair mm-hmm. who are totally in the agriculture, yes. showing off their animals. Super into the ag- love tractors and know everything about tractors and want to see other people's totally tractors. like the 4-H crew yeah. that I grew up in Nebraska with. Sure. But then at the same time, same place, you have the super modern art exhibits. Uh or whatever it is, whatever it is. Yep. there's this there, everybody. There's so many pockets of people doing different things, but no matter where you are on the fairgrounds, like there is this theme, the vibe there's of the a, Minnesota the State Fair, of the State Fair, yeah. exactly, okay. exactly. And so, the people who like the State Fair, like all of it. Well, they, they like the fair for that reason. Yes, or a lot okay. of or, you know, like that's a generalization, but yeah. like they go to the fair every year because they like, <clears throat> excuse me, they like the atmosphere. They, they like the way it makes them feel, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, yeah I would top you. up for sure. It's that it's that big picture. Thank you. You know, it's that big picture vibe thing. Yes. Um, and it's the same thing at the Renfest. It's just a different it's just a different <laughs> theme. Yeah. Just a different feel. Any of you sitting right there that love the state fair, listening to this, that saying thing, this that is nothing yeah, like the Renfest. Yeah, <laughs> like putting your nose up in the air over yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. It's the same it's, it's the same, same thing. deal. Same deal. 
You know, oh. some people go because they want to get a turkey leg. Yeah. And they want to get, they want to eat the food while yes. they're there. They want to get, you know, not that you can't get these things other places, but yeah. the same thing with the state fair too. Yeah. You know, like what, you can't get a tub, but you can't get chocolate chip cookies somewhere else. It's like, no, you want to go to the fair, feel the atmosphere. Yeah. Put those cookies into your mouth and go, yes, this is what I was this, remembering, and yes. this is what I want to feel again. Totally. Same thing with me, except mine is I want to sit under a tree having an Irish band playing next to me. I want to drink a beer, smoke a pipe, and talk to a guy dressed as a pirate. Yes. <laughs> that's what I want to do. That's what, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I try to recreate. That's, that's what I that's, need in my life. That's this the weekend. immersion that I want. <laughs> totally. <you know? laughs> Man, okay, do you remember the first time? Tell me about the first time you were at the Renfest and you looked around and like that connected and clicked like you yeah. fell in love with it was it you, the first time you were ever there that that happened no it wasn't I remember we went my my family we went to the Renfest a few times when I was like really young when yeah. I was you know a kid yeah. like 10 9 um, but there was one time that I went with just my dad maybe when I was 12 or 13 and I loved your dad taking you. Yeah, it was awesome. We had a great time. No. And I remember, I don't know, again, I can't explain why, but at that point I was deep into, like, the Redwall series, and I, uh, uh, you know, I had, uh, see, I don't know, I don't know exactly where in the timeline of my Fantastical nerdery. creatures, you were into that. Something. I was already, you had read The Hobbit. I read The had, Hobbit, yeah. I'd read all the Redwall stuff. I know, I mean, like, I'd already been playing, you know, yeah. open world video games, yes. you know, like, so I was already interested in that aesthetic. Yeah. That aesthetic was in your mind, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you show up, and it's outside. And it's there, and, and it's it. real. And I can, like, those buildings look like the buildings yes. that I imagined in my head yes, when I thought of so awesome. City X in whatever in yep. whatever book I was reading. Uh -huh. Suddenly I felt like I was there. That, you see like, the Queen's Pub right there. And yeah, and it's like, it's just, and, it, and, and it felt like I can I can step into the, into the building. It's tangible. And I can, all of a sudden. And there goes yes. that guy who's dressed like that character. He looks just like that character in the book that I was mm -hmm. reading, you know? Yeah. And it made it super real. And that's, and that's what the Red yeah. Fest is to me. Okay. Is, it's a way to sort of experience firsthand all these things that I read about mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I get, a, I get, a, I get yeah. a, a moment where it's fun to feel like I'm there. And, yeah. and what that comes down to, the reason that I think a lot of people don't do it, mm -hmm. is there's this, there's this sense that as adults, we're not supposed to have an imagination anymore. It almost like it gets trained and taught out of us. We're trained to stop daydreaming and get to work, you know. And and you're not. Or at least that's not socially acceptable. That's what. That's really what I mean. Like we're like not. You can do that, but that you keep that inside you keep your it, head. You keep it to yourself, mm -hmm. you know. And so like going to the Renfest, a lot of people be like, huh, Renfest, let's let's, <laughs> let's go, man. Let's go laugh at these, you know, or like whatever, you know. Yes. And then they go and they don't have any fun. Because they can't let go of their own ego yeah. and just enjoy it. It's so yes. ridiculous and over the top and hilarious mm -hmm. and and just silly. Yes. And people, like adults, don't feel like they can play anymore. Yes. And and that's why, like, as a 31-year-old guy, I play a lot of games in my life. Yeah. You know? with, uh, with no restraining, let's make it clear, no restraining orders, nothing. That <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> no, normal 31-year-old yep. Normal 31-year-old dude. <laughs> dude. Yep. Uh, I, I don't have a felony on my yep. record. I'm, a, I'm allowed to be within 100 yards of any child. Of any, of any school. <laughs> yeah. I just also do these other things. Yeah. You know? And it like, the only reason people know that I do yeah. these things now when they yeah. see me on the street is I have, you know, D20s, yes. which are 20-sided dice tattooed on my arms. Yes. And so anybody who knows what that is goes, oh, dude, you play d and I play D&D &D yes. too. You know? Yes. But yeah, so, so the, again, just, just to wrap up, just to wrap up the Renfest, um, it's just, it's do a, it's not just a feel way. like we need to wrap up the Renfest <laughs> at any point in time. Oh, right? thank you. Man, I do, because I do want to say, Sarah and I are a medium ground of that. We don't dress up. Yep. We don't get into, we don't have roles or anything, but we showed up years ago. We call ago. you casuals. Casuals. Is that the name for us? Okay. I'm. I'm. You, well, what you guys are 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 patrons. Patrons. We are patrons. You're patrons. Anybody, and who, with, anybody who's not a cast member, who's a paying customer, yes. but dresses up and wants to interact as if they are, those are patrons. Patrons. Yep. I love that so much. <laughs> I love that there's even a name for this. Of course, there's a yeah, name for of it, course. dude. Because you have to name everything. You got to name everything. Okay, so you got to belong to your tribe. You got to have your people, yes, man. You got to have your tribe. It's not an exclusivity thing. It's yeah. an inclusivity thing. It's it's a, a way to welcome people into the fold. Yes. And so, but like, 
there's no line of like if you don't dress up then we're somehow better than you it's you know you see people dabbling in it every time you go to the Renfest because what you'll see is you'll see a guy you'll see a guy with his white Nikes socks pulled way up you know his his dad cargo shorts his his big dog Corona T-shirt, and then he has like a chainmail hood on. Yes, because he bought that because he's like I want to wear that. And this is freaking cool. And it's cool. And it's like and it's maybe it's tongue in cheek, but it's like at the same time he still put it on and wore it all day. Because there's this thing of permission. There's permission. You have permission to do it, and yes. not even just you're allowed exactly. to do it. It's inclusive. You're in. You're like when, when you're people part see of it, people go, Yeah, check out that Man. awesome chainmail hood, dude. You know, like that's that's what I love about it. So like I love seeing people dip their toe in the water. You can tell the people who want to so bad, and they just don't feel like they can. But like in when they're in the grounds, they go, "I'm gonna spend forty dollars and buy a a, 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 a dagger." I I interviewed Caleb Garn of Five Watt. It's one of my previous ones, and his whole deal at Five Watt is to create this non-pretentious coffee shop based on uh, inclusivity. Right is what he said, and so the thought of like, okay, there's no judgment. You are here, and you're one of us, and you belong here. And so this is almost just a more even wider version of that inclusivity sure. of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's what, that's what I love about it. And so that's when, that's why it annoys me when I see people in Star Trek costumes is that like they're kind, like it, it feels malicious to me. Okay. Or it feels like they're just trying to draw the wrong kind of okay. attention, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah, I like that because... Um, malicious, it's is, not, malicious is a strong word. Yeah. But... But really, okay, now I'm understanding what you were saying earlier because it's not like a, you're not part of us, you don't get what we're trying to do here. No. It's more of a, a you feel that they're trying to do it as a joke. Yeah. Or yeah. make fun of it. Because you kind of have that. There are some of the casuals that are there kind of like laughing. Abs- absolutely. And that's totally okay because if you're having fun, and at the end of the day, I'm not going to go up to somebody in a Doctor Who costume and say, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing here to it? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be that guy to ruin somebody's day. Yeah. Um, you see a Doctor Who murdered at Renfest. Yes. <laughs> Maced to death. Like, and I don't mean mace with, like, pepper spray. I mean, like, the ball and yes. chain with the spikes on totally. it. Uh, yeah, local, local, local man <laughs> killed with a crossbow at Renfest. Trampled by 300 people at yeah. local Renfest. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to be, like, if you're having fun, that's yeah, the man. point. The point of this fair is to just let it go. Yeah. Let your imagination run wild. Have some fun. Yeah, dude. Let go of the modern world for, for four or five hours while you're there. Drink a beer. Sing a few pub sing-along songs. Yeah. Go home and, and say, man, I had a great time. That was really yes. really silly and fun. Yeah. That's what it's about. So at the end of the day, I'm not going to... Anybody who would like yeah. get in somebody's face about that, those are the people that belong at the SCA. Okay. The, yes. thre- the thread counters. The thread counter. <laughs> That's the proper name for That's, them. Right? The I'm sure it is. The thread I'm sure counters. It is. Let's talk about pulling that feeling of confidence, being yourself, mm-hmm. and just letting your guard down, yeah. and, and like embracing. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, these are these are things I like. Let's talk about the thought of bringing that from inside the grounds of Renfest to real life. Yeah. Because I remember a conversation with you, uh, where we talked about. Y- you mentioned that you made. A conscious decision to say, you know what, I'm no longer, I'm not going to hide the fact that I love Lord of the Rings and nerdy stuff. Because there was a time in your life that you felt like, especially doing music, you had to have this air of being cool, this image to uphold. And you were talking about, you made a decision to just embrace your love of nerdiness. Yeah. Um, Do you remember that, was that a moment or was it just like a... Actually, you know what, it kind of was, now that I think about it, it kind of was a little bit more of a a light bulb moment. Mm. There was one summer... Yeah, oh yeah. So it was, I think it was the first summer that I was home from college. So that would have been 2006? Yes. I think? Yeah. It was the first time I ever dressed up to Renfest. Yes. I was 20. And you got home... From college. Well, I, so I got home from college, and I wanted to go to the Renfest, and I couldn't find anybody to go with me. Like, nobody was available that, that Saturday. And I was, you know, so I was back at my, back at my folks' house, and this is, this is how lucky I have, I have been with the parents that I have who have just embraced my imagination and my, my not only with, like, my the music career that I've had, they've supported me through that, but they have supported all the, the geekery and the nerdery that I've I had like, in my life. I like that you notice how fortunate oh, and man. how rare that is I a lot d- of people I do. not have I really, really do. Support. So I got, yeah. I got super lucky. And let me tell you how this manifested itself in this situation. <laughs> so I was like, I was saying to my mom, I was like, yeah, I really want to go to Renfest, but nobody is it available. And she's like, well, just go by yourself. 
And I was like, yeah, but it feels weird to just go by myself. She's like, well, what if you were in costume? It was her idea. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't have a costume. Like, I want to go today. Like, yeah. I'm not going to, I want to I wanna go right now. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. I want to go right now. She's like, I got costumes in the basement. Yes. When I see something that yes. I think will fit, like, I, unbeknownst to me, through my ad- sort of quote-unquote adult life up to that point, anytime she saw something that was kind of costumey, that she thought was Renfesty because she knew I was into it, she saw this coming long before I did. Oh, so man. So she, she had purchased pieces of what kind of looked like a Renfest costume oh. and helped me put it together. Dude, that is so cool. 20-year-old kid. That is so home cool. Home from music school. Yeah. By myself in the basement with my mom going through a costume box. And she's like, and she had found at our church rummage sale this red sort of pirate shirt. Okay. That was super, it was just like, it was just like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And she's like, oh yeah, and we have these old like pirate pants from these. Other. And I was like, are you kidding me? You you have a whole Renfest costume here. And so then we went looking for little knickknacks to yeah. add to it. And yes. an hour later, I had a costume and I was driving myself to Renfest. Down to Shakopee. Down to Shakopee, Minnesota. And oh, I, that is and, so and cool. I, and I went in by myself and I spent yeah. all day by myself. Discovered I had a few friends from high school that worked there. Okay, so, yeah. like, working game booths and stuff. Yeah. So, like, that was just, that was awesome. Yeah. But just, like, I just had a great time. Yeah. It was an amazing it was an amazing experience. And so when I got home, I was just like, that was way too much fun to not tell anybody about. And it was from that point on that I started, you know, trying to get my friends into it. Be like, dude, yes. I'm dressing up. So... That's happening. Man, and that's what it's all about, is finding people. I mean, Finding, I finding think, your tribe, again. Man, I think that's one of the greatest things about the internet in this day and age, sure. is that anybody who... Um, we live in a world where people talk about social media is um, making kids less social, the younger up-and-coming kids, but now you have kids that were into maybe the Renfest or Dungeons & Dragons, and they felt super isolated and alone at school, now but now not. you have the internet, and you can find a hundred other people that live in your state that are into that too, but you would have never That live in before. your zip code that you had no idea. Totally, and yeah. so it's that unifying thing yep. of that feeling of, okay, my people. So you embrace that, and you mm-hmm. brought that too, and the real your real life of saying, okay, if someone brings it up, I'm not going to play it down. Right. Was that intentional thing, or just kind of a, after was that, that the after slow that experience? Of, okay. After that experience of going by myself for the first time in costume for the first time. Yeah. So my first experience in costume there was alone. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Saying you go to Renfest by yourself. Yeah. Is a little is a little strange. Well, to people that maybe haven't done it, I haven't done it. Sure. But that's the same thing to someone telling someone you go to see a movie alone. Yeah, that's true. But if anybody's gone to see a movie alone, it's one of the most cathartic, relaxing. Oh, yeah. Exp- have you ever done like gone and seen a movie? I by actually, yourself? never have. Never. Just Man, gone to it the is one of the most myself. relaxing things. You just. I, I can't even explain it, but you the same type sit, thing. Sit yeah. there with the sour patch. You don't kids know until you do it. it. Yeah. yeah. Go see a movie by yourself. Yeah. I'm, I think I, I will. Um, Especially an afternoon movie. If you have an afternoon mm-hmm, off mm-hmm. while Sarah's working, I sure do. I have a you know, um, you know, being a musician, I you know, evenings yeah. are difficult, but totally mornings and, and daytimes, yes, much I'll, more much more possible. Man, okay, I love, I, I just love in this conversation this thought of identity, yeah, of someone who is into something and they've finally given themselves permission to enjoy it. Yeah. And then they fi- you finally given themselves permission to uh, express it with people that, that people that think the same way as you. And then the next level of giving yourself permission to embrace that even when you're not around Renfest people or right. people that think the same way as you yeah. embracing that this is who I am. You know what this is? This is the same thing I have, I have a buddy who says this about hats. He okay. says the key to wearing a hat is the confidence. Yes. That comes. So like, you can wear the goofiest or weirdest or most exotic looking hat. Yeah, man. But if you just walk into the room like you were born with that hat on, yeah. people are going to go, oh, awesome hat. But if you if you look like you are, you are unsure, people mm-hmm. go, check out that dude with the weird hat. Like, what's that about? Yeah. And so that's what I was discovering is that when I was talking to people, if I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I kind of do this thing where like I like to go to the Renfest and, you know, it's not a big deal, but, you know, yes. and, every, and people would go like, oh, you go to the Renfest? What a nerd. Huh? You know, totally. like, we kind of, we kind of like, you know, give me that, give me the elbow. Yes. You know, just like, oh, look at you, look at you and your stupid <laughs> thing so, you like. But now, but now that's like, I show, I'll, I'll show people a picture. 
They're like, this is what I wear when I go. Dude, and I sit out. there and I smoke a pipe and I talk to people and like I just yes. tell them about what my yes. experience is and I and I, I say it's the best. I have the best time. I look yeah. forward to it so much every year. I yeah. just completely take ownership you of it. You are missing out for you not are having missing done. out for yeah. not doing this. And so then people go Wait, re- like really? That's a thing? Like I, kn- I always heard of the Renfest, but I didn't know people like were into it like that. And yeah. then they suddenly it's turned on its head, and what yeah, would have been like this sort of like this weird thing that that Nate guy does? It's like, have you seen Nate? Look at his, ch- check out his freaking costume. It is yes. awesome. Like you know, that's it's it's a perspective and a confidence thing. Yes. If you own it, and just like, hey, this is this is the thing I do, and I freaking love it. Yeah, there's nothing you can say about it that's gonna make me feel uh, bad so like man I love your tie in with the hat everybody deals with some version of that that's not unique to anybody everybody deals with something of you make it cool exactly exactly I have uh, you know uh, I there's a part of me that wonders I'd be, I'd be curious to see if there was a way to quantify how much a person's day job yeah. factors into their rep, their perspective their okay uh, yeah. their their percep- other people's perception of their nerdery because there's a part of me that goes I have a little bit of street cred yeah, for you being a touring this- musician I get to have tattoos you get, get to have to- this juxtaposition of I it. get to have yes. this like this is a guy who has what a lot of people will consider a, a exciting and interesting job where I play drums for a living I'd be curious I'd be like I don't know if there's a difference but I'd be curious to see if there was and that you sounds know- super that sounds super I know that could potentially come off as super pretentious, yeah. like, I'm a cool guy who does this thing. But, like, you know, society tends to think of touring musicians as this, like, exotic, cool job. And I wonder how much freedom that buys me to be interested in other things like that. Yeah, I wonder... Oh, man, that is so interesting, that thought. Man, I, I have wonder- no idea if that's true. I'm not trying to say that, I, that, I, that it is true. I just would be really curious if there was a way to... To find out, man. Okay, well, uh, what makes someone? They, that goes to the question of what makes someone a legitimizer. If you're going to make it legitimate to other people, like you better have something to back it up. Like, uh, there's maybe that's even. Yep. I think of I think of any of like the our the old comedies, uh, the old high school comedies that we watched. Like you know, you think of the jock that turns oh, yeah. the jock that's like tough in the football he's a big football guy and he's really cool but then secretly finds out everybody finds out that he's actually really into ballet but he's so cool then all of a sudden all the other cool kids are like alright I can I can actually see that it's yeah. cool at ballet. Yep. he legitimizes it yep. so I wonder if it is the sense of I'm not not going I'm not going to say don't go too deep into it yeah. but maybe if someone sees a life of balance or, sure, or sees something a, within great, themselves that's a great way actually, to put it that it's that it's balance. Or people, I think, if they see something within you that they like, that they want to be like, or uh, they find attractive in a sort of way, then that legitimizes other things. If that makes sense. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. to me, if you're if you're well spoken, if you're cool, if you're nice to people, that someone can see themselves in you, and then oh, they, then you're saying they people have permission to it's be permission. nerdy about yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, I, this comes back to and and the fact uh, the fact that we're talking about it about something that involves imagination. That's a, that's a thing that I think adults feel they need permission to do because mm-hmm. it's like playing games is something that kids do. Adults don't have time for that, you know. And I think I think that's one of the biggest tragedies of American culture yeah. is that adults have completely stopped playing. But but you know what? You know what? I am seeing a renaissance of it, no pun intended. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> that like think of how many like here's a good example. Here in Minneapolis there's a great uh, brewery called Bauhaus. And uh, the free plug to Bauhaus. You're welcome, Mark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> send us free beer and yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but they they did a thing where they had they posted an, an event that they were going to host that was are you familiar with Settlers of Catan that board game they, oh, yeah. they posted that they were going to have a Settlers of Catan night a gaming night as far in the world of intense board games and that is an intense world Settlers of Catan is kind of a gateway yeah so it's one of the more popular ones, but they posted they were going to host a, a Settlers of Catan night. 
within two to three hours of them posting it, they had like 1,100 people that had RSVP'd to be there. Nah, and man. so it's like, there is, there does seem to be a desire to play that is going unfulfilled. That when, as soon as it's at a cool place, a cool hang, suddenly everyone's like, oh yeah, no, I actually love games. Yeah. You know, like some, it's that permission. They have permission to yes. say it. But I, but I feel like there's a need. I, I, I think the, there's a need of a, of a healthy human adult to have a balance between work and play. Oh, yeah. No matter what that play looks like for you, uh, to have some balance of that. And so the people, you know, I, 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 we, are, we are trained to think that if you are not working all the time, then you're not trying as hard as you could, you know? Um, so that you, that, you know, that workaholic... The yes. workaholic attitude of, of, of idolizing these people yes. who destroy themselves working so hard. Man, bi- the response, how are you doing? Busy is now a culturally acceptable oh, thing to that, say. That's that like, means that's good. The, that's the good thing Busy to say. equals good. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so there, I feel like we're starting to recognize it. People our age are starting to, go, are starting to recognize the need for it. Yes. Um, and it's only just starting to turn that corner into being okay to be interested in games again as adults. But... It's still, in general, I don't think it is, and so that's that's what I'm getting at. That's exactly you yeah. hit it on the head with that. That's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that's that's what I decided, you know, when I went did my first Renfest by myself in costume and had just a completely different experience. There yeah. was I said like why why can't I tell anybody about this? That's so yes. stupid. Like yes. I had a such a great time, and I want to share that with my friends. I want to share it with people. Man. Because you know what happens when you fully embrace your nerdy likes well, and who you it's are? It's a vulnerability. Totally. You're, you're, putting, you're, you're exposing yeah. yourself out there. Man, you know what happens when you like embrace that? It, it leads to connection. And the greatest example recently of that is your tattoo. You've got yeah. this dice tattoo, and yep. now all of a sudden, how many times have people come up to you that know what that dice stands for? Yeah. yeah. And instantly they're like, dude. I had a guy come up to me. I just actually just posted on Instagram about yeah. this. Uh, I was in Rochester for a gig a couple nights ago on Thursday, and I got a tap on my shoulder, and I turn around to some guy shoving his forearm in my face, and he had a whole string of dice tattooed down his forearm of all the different dice you use in, in D&D. Some guy you've never met before. Never met him before. Instantly He was just walking down the street. He looked over, saw the two D20s I have, which is 20-sided dice, the two D20s I have tattooed on my, on yeah. my two arms. And uh, and he and he's like I gotta like without even thinking about it, he just came over tapped me on the shoulder and we had to con- we had a connection yes it was just like I gotta talk to you about this because it's a rare thing to see that yeah and so then we suddenly had this this connection that we wouldn't have had if he was yeah. just a guy walking down the street but he saw my tattoos and he goes oh dude that's one of my people that's so he so he came over and was just like and so we had just had this great conversation yes uh, about it and and it was awesome it was awesome and that sort of stuff. I wouldn't have had if I if I hadn't been willing to be open about my interests in in, in this in this hobby. <laughs> so all right, I have a question. Yes. I think that's that's it. That's this conversation of yeah. like just embracing your inner. Like how to just embrace? Give yourself permission. Yeah, give it. It's, it's 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 a it's a I guess it's a la- or it's a it's a relaxing of the ego of you know not wanting to be seen as something and worrying about what other people think about you as your public face you know people say like it's that identity that you don't want to necessarily be pigeonholed somehow yes. that like people will think that if i if i tell them i play D, they're automatically they have this list that just shows up in their head of all the things they're going to suddenly assume about me yeah. They're gonna assume certain things, and so mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna mention it. Which is know? funny because that goes into every oh, everything. In life. Oh yeah, that's it's not exclusive at all. Totally to get to the, to this hobby. Yeah, man. But it's but it's a very big part of it, um, being a part of of something like this. Oh man. Okay, so not specific to your just nerding out, but just embracing yeah. that, embracing sure. yourself and. What would you, if you could go back to your 18-year-old self, yeah. just your 18-year-old self, and talk about, give him advice when it came to embracing, letting go of ego, yeah. and just embracing who you are and having confidence to put that hat on and know it's badass. Yeah, no, it's like, badass. What, what would you, what would you say to yourself at 18? I mean, I guess, I guess I would say, I mean. And this this also ties in very closely to my life as a musician as well. Is 
constant comparison is so unhealthy. And I'm, I know I'm not the first person oh, to say it. Gosh. And I know that this is not, you know, I didn't come up with this by any stretch of the imagination, but it has been a major factor in my life that, like, that does nobody any good, especially to yourself. So if you are constantly comparing yourself, like I did when I was 18, and still fall into that trap all the time, um, of just constantly comparing myself to other people, worried about how I stack up on some invisible scorecard, oh, no matter what, that is so huge. no matter what it is, whether it's music related or how Come you're perceived on. in your personal life, that constant comparison just drags you down, and it makes it, it does nothing but make you feel awful about yourself. Yeah. And I'll tell you, one of the things that doesn't help with that is we were talking about we were talking about the internet uh-huh. about how you can find your people. Yeah. As a drummer, you can go on YouTube oh. and and see yeah. any random twelve-year-old yep. in their in their basement who's like some freaky prodigy who can you know shred circles around me on the drum set. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Shred circles this, around this you on the drum set. Who can yeah. who can shred circles around me? And and if you're not careful, that can turn into oh my gosh, they're better than me and they're twelve. Yeah. I'm 31. Why can't I do that? Yes. And that's and that's a that's a dangerous spiral yeah. to go down. Is if you start chasing that YouTube rabbit, yeah, you're gonna find all these people who are quote unquote better at your instrument than you are. Yeah. There's, n- you're n- there's no such thing as the best. Yeah. Because you're always gonna find someone who you perceive as being better because they do they yeah. can do something you can't. Yeah. You know. And reminder. And so what I would tell my 18 year old self is just don't. Like, if, if I could tell myself and have myself listen to me... <laughs> yeah, that's where it's at. Yep. If I could follow my own uh-huh. advice, which I don't know if I was capable... Because you, you know it. We've all... Everybody knows it. Yeah. But it's taking it, pulling it from your head down to your, your stomach. Yes. And, like... Making it real in your making life. Making it real. Yeah. Yes. And so my... my it, it's, it's not out of my life. Yeah. But I know how to talk myself out of it now. Okay. Do you, have any, do, you have any, do you have any, like, tools that you use or, like, mantras or things you say to yourself or remind yourself um, when that pops in your head right now? Well, specifically about drumming, yes. Okay. Uh, and, and this is not mine. This is not my words, but the words that helped me. Uh, as a drummer, I really admire named Steve Jordan. Yeah. Um, and he has on one of his sort of instructional DVDs, uh, he has a, a little mantra that he uses, which anybody who who follows Steve Jordan's work will know. And that mantra is simplicity is not stupidity. Hmm. So okay. that you know, just because something's complicated or difficult uh, doesn't make it smarter or better than something that's simple, you know? Um, and, and I find when I'm, when I'm looking for it, I can find a lot of validation and a lot of reinforcement of that. Um, yes. The best example that I can think of in addition to that is a couple years ago, Ringo Starr was being honored at some awards show, and they put together this little video of a bunch of drummers talking about the influence Ringo had on them and why they think Ringo is awesome. And uh, uh, everybody was saying that, like, you know, he's, he's legendary because he knew how to serve the song and he knew how to not overplay and he knew he had a, a great feel and a great sense of ex- knowing exactly what the song needed from a drum part, you know, and that the most timeless drummers are the ones that are the most simple. And that's what Steve Jordan is. That's what that's what his thing is. And so, that's what I've, you know, when I was when I was in college, going to music school, that competition was brutal, yeah. brutal. And I was I got swept up in it when I first got there. Yeah. Um, and then a buddy of mine, a uh, friend of mine from high school, uh, came out to came out to Berkeley where I was going, yeah. and uh, he was uh, a film scoring major. He was. I ended up. I, we were roommates together for for the whole time we were out there. Um, and I got—I had been swept up in like the performance major kind of vibe, where it's you're constantly re-auditioning to raise your rating levels and yes. uh, always competing with like, what are your numbers? You know, yeah. what ensembles are you in? You know, yeah. which—that so, is to say, which ensembles were you yes. good enough to be Classic in? You know, Berkeley number oh, rating system. Brutal, yeah. brutal. And I was so stressed out all the time. And the film scoring majors—they don't need any of that. So yeah. they didn't have the, the pressure. They had different pressures, of course, but they didn't have that particular pressure. Yeah. And I noticed just a difference in their attitude yes. and, in, and in that circle of songwriters and, and composers yes. that he found in his film scoring and yeah. songwriting time. 
I was like, that's where I want to be. I don't yes. want to be this constant competition. Yeah. So like, that's where I. I just want to be myself. Yeah. So where I where I really cut my teeth in terms of becoming the drummer that I am today was with songwriters and yeah. with these like film scoring people. And that's where I met Eric from Foreign Fields, this yeah. great band that I play in that is a very difficult to be a drummer in because normal drummer stuff doesn't work. You can't, yeah. like, chops are out completely the useless in that band. Yeah, man. Um, so it's re- you have to be really attentive to the song, you know? And my time playing with all these songwriters in college, yeah. that was where I learned that. And that's what I've based my entire career on now. Yeah, man. Is that I'm not And the doors that guy. open up for you by embracing just your own likes. Being okay be with cool not with being able to do all the linear yes. gospel chop stuff or whatever, any of those, yes. like the, the speed metal, double kick drum, yes. you know, whatever and that all is. all the doors that open up for you, touring, opening for Count yeah. Crow stuff. Yeah. I mean, whatever that is. Yeah. Like, I mean, just in the sense yep. of like, you never know where it's going to take you. Right. But right. you, and you never will know until you fully embrace. Yeah. And that, and so having it validated by guys like Steve Jordan, yeah. it was just like again. I mean, it's that it's yeah. that it's the the uh, whoever allows it to be okay. Yes, he gave me like those those kinds of reinforcements yes. gave me permission. That's cool to say, this is who I am and yeah. that's okay. Man, and, that's and the cool. people and I'm gonna find my people who like yeah. who like me for me and that I don't have to try to wedge myself into yeah. something into a box that I can't fit in. Yeah. Um, and maybe that is if there's n- if there's nobody giving someone listening to this validity or legitimacy to that. No, maybe someone doesn't have their Steve Jordan or someone saying, "No, embrace yourself. This is this is cool." Whatever it is, maybe that's because they're the ones supposed to make that yeah valid for other yeah. people. And like, that's and that's where and that's where you know you got to cast off the fear of being being worried about what other people are gonna think. Yeah, and so. Who knows? Because you never know how you might influence that next person to say, you know what? I don't need to do all this other stuff. I can just do the thing I want to do and be happy. Yeah. You know? Um, oh, man. That is so <laughs> awesome. That's so good. Man, that has the power to change someone's life. I, I, I mean, mean that, like someone that goes, like, the that changes an experience. I mean, we were talking about the sake earlier. If that changes something from... Um, your passion being the lonely, the thing that makes you feel lonely and like outside, to being by embracing it even more and leaning into it, could be the one thing that connects you with so many more people. Right, who you would never would have expected. Totally, like how much joy in your life has come from like, I mean, you and I—that's a great example. You and I have only played. We've known each other for five, five six years. years. Yeah, we've only played once together. Well, it was twice, but okay, at the same twice. place. Yep, twice at the same place. And that was right when we met. But we connected with Lord of the Rings stuff. Yep. And it just hasn't lined up to do music together. Yeah. Uh, but it's like that Lord of the Rings and nerding out with that stuff. Yep. is. I mean, we this this whole friendship that's come out of that, that's purely... Uh, just awesome, yeah. <laughs> it's all, but it's all about geekery. <laughs> geekery totally. yeah. And it's yeah. like nerding out. And it's just funny how some things are some things are more acceptable than others. Uh, dude, I think I think that's a good ending there. Sure. Dude, I think that's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> dude, thanks for grabbing victors dude, with me. Some yeah, breakfast. I'm glad it, I'm glad it worked. You've been listening to Rob Morgan is a Curious Person. Nothing you've heard in today's episode reflects the opinions or beliefs of Guinness, Curious Endeavors, the Republic of Ireland, or anyone living or dead. Quite frankly, those who said it have probably already changed their minds, and we offer you the most sincere apologies on their behalf. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations recorded all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Rob is recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake and he's an idiot to attempt it, but he won't budge, so that's where we're currently at. Visit thecuriouspod.com today or click the link in the show notes for more great crack. We hope you'll enjoy. Meow.